Well, we talk about it all the time. Rapid expanding and speeding up of technology. Radio's doing a lot of things. If you work in the radio business, chances are still pretty good that engineering and certainly at the chief level is something uh, you depend on experts for. I'm just saying. And if you need one, well, damn, you've got some problems. Okay, so listen, let's talk about it with all the advancing technology and the rapid change that has that comes to radio. And let's be fair. This has been changing for a long time, but it seems like it's speeding up a bit. It's really interesting. It's a great time. We're so fortunate to be able to check in with the chief. That's what we're doing today, especially in an environment like Las Vegas. Right. Because we all know that. uh what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, except on this podcast, of course, we're going to get into it a little bit. By the way, this sounds like exactly the kind of person that we really like to talk to on our podcast. So welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast on Apple, Audible, Spotify, or almost anywhere you get your podcast. Our number one goal is to always encourage radio pros at all levels. If you are a regular listener of this podcast, you know that we drop a fresh weekly episode featuring a radio pro working right now, usually uh, in radio in the U.S. or Canada each Sunday, as we say on our regularly scheduled weekly event to enjoy our podcast. You only really need to be interested in others and be open to encouragement, advice, connections, tools to get ahead and ways to make your radio career more profitable and successful. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works or what we call ourselves. Our practice is RPC, and our practice is an actual multiplier, helping local radio generate higher ratings and higher revenue. And that means we work on helping our clients identify and leverage more revenue for their work. Ideas are the new technology. Where do your ideas come from? Reach out anytime. See how we can help you create opportunity revenue. We do it with our clients all the time. We can help you schedule a meetup by email. It's easy. First consultation is free and highly confidential. F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. We're just a moment away from welcoming Tracy Teagarden. He's the chief engineer for Odyssey in Las Vegas. We're going to talk about some big things now. A big thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which is always made available moments after we record our interview so that you get it fresh. And we usually do this first in our social media, but it goes in our podcast and all that as well. Uh, and and look, we want to thank Joe Kelly for producing our podcast and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Listen, if you are in radio sales, or you know someone that you like who is a local radio seller, make sure they know about this. The Q3 exclusive radio sales event is coming to this podcast on the evening of July 13th, 2023. It's called Telling Local Radio's 21st Century Story. 
I will be joined by sales consultant Chris Fleming with CD Media Consulting. We would look, we've got two special on the ground revenue roundtable guests that are going to be on this episode. So you don't want to miss this because they're going to dish on how you can increase your sales in Q3 and that's income to you. Here's a little preview. Uh, This is our quarterly sales event. We do this every single quarter, and it is designed to be encouraging to local radio sellers everywhere. So share this with a radio seller that you know. This was created to help local radio sellers sell more in each coming quarter. And it's absolutely free to you, of course. The guests are different every quarter, but the focus is directly on helping you earn more revenue, more money, more income in the coming quarter. We do this every time we do it. Don't forget the evening of July 13th. If you subscribe to our podcast, the sales event will simply come right to you on your smartphone. By the way, while you're here for this specific podcast event, please know that while we have over 100 interview based episodes with radio pros from all over in our archives. We also have over 750 articles of encouragement at rainmakerpathway.com. We don't hide away anything on our site. We, some other consultants do. So you can literally get encouragement for morning shows, sales managers, on-air talent of all kinds, salespeople, market managers, and even radio station owners of local radio. We believe in the power of local radio today, right now, and the importance of sharing the 21st century radio story with the advertisers, community, and thought leaders today. We believe that makes you more money, by the way. See what you can get for free from our team on our free blog section at rainmakerpathway.com, including our encouraging sales success series and our more than live and local series. And now, see what we can learn from engineering. You know, this is always intimidating for us, but I'm going to try to hold it together. Tracy, welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you. You got to tell us, brother, where did you grow up? I bet it's not Las Vegas. Nope. Uh, Southeast Ohio, the part of Ohio where you have to say it like that. Um, Ohio. Yeah. Uh, You don't pronounce those vowels right. It, uh, it took me a while to shake that accent when I moved out here. But, uh, uh, yeah, I grew up in a little town called New Concord, Ohio, and went to school in uh, in Athens at Ohio University. And well, uh, we're, we're going to get to your education here because we talk about that kind of stuff. We, we're big believers in education. We're big believers in the people you meet along the way help you. Listen, when you were a kid. I know people ask you, I know they did, Um, just like the rest of us. Did they say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And did you say engineer? Uh, The engineer thing came in uh, in in high school, early in high school. Uh, Algebra class, we started doing conic sections and, uh, you know, a parabola with a focus and I'm see I'm, I'm visualizing this math as a, as a young kid. And that came in. Uh, Tracy, I just want you to know that you've just switched my podcast to another language. I I don't know that language. (laughs) (laughs) So you're working on some high art math stuff. I see. Yeah. Some, some, 
did algebra and I, I decided maybe an engineer would be something that I would enjoy. Uh, before that, I, I wanted to be uh, all kinds of things, uh, you know, mm. from motorcycle racer to, to fireman, like every kid. Uh, but uh, I, I started working towards a, a career, a life in engineering. Uh, yeah, in high school. Wow. So he knew right away you, you heard that, right? Okay. So look, before we get too far down the path, let's talk about your parents because I always think where you come from, you can't get away from that. It's your DNA. I always say that with my family, I tell my wife, if, if there are sleeper cells in me and you start to notice some of the behaviors in my family, if you would just put a pillow over my head and wait five or 10 minutes. Uh, but anyway, that's a whole nother story. Was your dad a technical guy? In other words, are there a lot of technical people in your family? How did this happen for you? Uh, my dad is is retired now, but he was a heavy equipment mechanic. Uh, worked on uh, cranes and construction equipment, huge stuff. Plus, we had a working farm that I grew up on. Uh, and all of the everything that breaks on a working farm has to get fixed or you quit making money. So uh, yeah. I experienced that. My mom is an RN, uh, also retired at this point, but uh, she was a nurse. So, uh, you know, I always got a clinical view of, you know, when I banged myself up uh, of my injuries. So uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was a, a more than a technical environment. It was just an environment where if there was a problem, you solved it. Uh, you. You didn't cry for help. You didn't uh, sit there and stare at it. You did what you could to move things forward. And well, and your dad had to kind of know that you had this aptitude too. Uh, he did, uh, and he encouraged it. Um, mm. he, to this day, he still makes fun of my welding um, and things like that, but. Um, I was encouraged by both my parents and uh, several different teachers and lots of people uh, to enter a technical field. All right. So this next part's kind of rough because now I've learned a new pronunciation. So I have to try to do this right. It's a lot of pressure and a lot of stress, uh, especially when you're on with a high art math guy. Okay. Yeah. You you went to Ohio University. Did I did. I say that I said that right. Okay. Your degree shouldn't surprise anyone. You have a BS in electrical engineering. What did you learn at Ohio University, which is Ohio University for the rest of us? For the rest of yeah, yeah. Um, I think what I think I drugged two things out of school uh, that have made me happier and more productive in my life. The first one is don't take yourself too seriously no matter how smart you are how competent you feel you are you can learn something from everyone around you uh that i think is more important than you know anything short of ohm's law and secondarily uh i learned 
to be independent, to uh, do everything I could to advance my cause and always set enough time aside to help other people with their cause. Uh, those are, I think, the two most important things I pulled out of there. Um, you know, designing ATUs in my head and the stuff, the other stuff I do is all subsequent to that. Mm. It's interesting. You know, I kind of see this picture coming together. You're working on a working farm. Things have to get fixed. You have an aptitude. Your dad has this. I mean, you've got a living example of we son, we fix things, you know, and, yep. and your dad is probably a little like mine since he makes fun of your welding. I don't weld, but I promise you I've had some of those experiences. So I know about that. When you came out of Again, pronunciation is very important. Yeah. Ohio University. I'm doing that right, right? I feel so You're good. You're doing it right. You could, right. Be, you could be from Meg's County. That's You sound just like him. Bingo. Well, there's nothing, you know, in the radio business, you want to sound and be local. You want to be authentic. So it's always been important yep. to me. I want to, I want to be that way here. You had a great, I'm sure you had a great variety of offers when you came out of university. Could, could we hear the kind of jobs that you may have turned down? Uh, the last uh, two quarters of my education was paid for by General Electric. I had done a co-op with them mm. uh, a couple of summers, and I owed them a period of time uh, that I ended up paying them back for uh, because oh, you did uh, that. Yeah. Uh, we will start at the beginning. The engineering building at, at uh, Ohio University, a stalker center, and there was an ad on the bulletin board um, that said, be the chief engineer at WLHD, which is uh, Ohio University has four carrier current stations at, at mm -hmm. the, on the various screens. And it pays 100 bucks a month. And I thought, well, that's how much I spend on beer. So I took. <laughs> now that's math again. <laughs> yeah, I took the. I went in. I spoke to the directors and the, and the faculty advisor and and took that position and and did that for my my junior and senior year. Um. And I owed General Electric this time, but the uh, owner of uh, WATH and WXTQ and AMFM Combo. All right, I don't want you. I don't want you to go too far. Okay. So let's let's limit ourselves to General Electric is offering you a job that that had to be hard to turn down, especially if you had to pay them to turn it down. Well, and beyond that. Um, the job was in the locomotive plant uh, there in Southern Ohio, mm. um, working on trains. Uh, and, you know, I don't think there is uh, a little boy in the world that doesn't have a train thing. So it was, yes. uh, um, it was, uh, uh, yeah, it was interesting to turn it down. I think that what pushed me in that direction is I 
I really don't like sitting sitting at my desk all day. I really uh, want to get up and move around and drive somewhere and bang on something and and do those things. So, boy, do you have a job for that, Tracy? Yeah. So uh, okay. So look, you ended up as the chief at Target Broadcasting, WATH and WXTQ in Athens. Here it comes Ohio. Yep. How did that happen? Um, I was sitting on my couch and uh, the owner of those stations had called the university and said, you know, our chief has uh, a guy by the name of Joe Stack, who's still in the industry, has moved on uh, and we're looking for somebody else. And who you got? And they said, well, there's there's Tracy Teagarden, but he uh, he's moved on. You know, he he's got something going on. And uh, Dave, Dave Palmer called me. And uh, I tell people I went into radio to piss off my in-laws, but um, oh. <laughs> but uh, that that's not accurate. They're very gracious people, but it's funny. Uh, sure. So I said, yeah, Dave, I'll come in and talk to you. And uh, I, within three or four days, I had I had burned my bridge with General Electric and and started as the chief of uh, those stations. Was it intimidating to call General Electric and go, uh, "Hey, listen, um, I'm not coming." Yeah, uh, and remember, this is uh, 1995. The days before right. 90. Three, actually, the days before email and all that stuff, everything had to be dealt with face to face and in person. And uh, uh, yeah, it really was. Yeah. So so listen, here's what's fascinating about you. It doesn't appear to me that it takes you very long. And you took a job as the CBS radio chief in Las Vegas. Now, boom, there you are. How did that job develop? And we all kind of would like to know this, especially from an engineer's perspective. What was it like working for CBS? Um, I came out here to work for Nationwide. Uh, once again, I was sitting on the exact same, oh. exact same couch. And uh, Robert Raymond, the director of engineering of, of Nationwide, randomly called me and said, you know, from stuff... He had seen on CompuServe of all places um, with me interacting with chat groups on CompuServe and uh, said, I, I got a position in Vegas. I'm having a tough time filling. Are you interested? And so uh, I came out here and and uh, talked to the GM, talked to the people, really liked the environment. Um, and then we went through the progression of nationwide ARS you know, it, infinity Mel's infinity. Wait a minute! You did what we all did. Yeah. So in in some ways, you could stay in one location and work for everybody. Work for everybody, mm -hmm. and then eventually we came to CBS. Um, I loved working for CBS. Um, I knew, I knew that I was fortunate every single day of my life. Um, when I was going to work. Uh, for CBS. I love the culture. I love the people. Uh, I love the opportunities to do the interesting things that I did. Um, 
it was uh, the best time of my life. Tracy, why is culture so important um, at work? Culture is so important. If everybody can respect everybody else and what they do and, you know, and you have that strength up the middle, the, you know, the GM, the PD, the sales manager, the engineer, if, if you have that strength and that camaraderie, you just, you're happy to get to work so you can solve the problems and solve other people's problems and just be an important part of an organization. That's why the culture is important. I literally have written an article for Radio Inc. tomorrow that is about culture and tries to explain the connection between culture and profitability and culture and revenue. And it is powerful because everybody wants to be respected. Right, Tracy? Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's not just radio listeners and clients. It's like people on your team. And it's yep. really important. So listen, Tracy, you became now this is this gets a little murky for me and I have to do all my research digitally. It looks like you became the chief of intercom in Las Vegas. This looks like it's a shared role that lasted until 2021. Maybe. Is that right? How did that work? No, um, I intercom bought the CBS radio lock, stock and barrel. And there I was see. a, a certain period of, uh, I was mopping up CBS's details and working for intercom. Um, I got relatively humorous Facebook posts about the CBS IS and T people texting me, asking me to go down to the MGM and fix the, uh, fix the focus groups internet you know months <laughs> after the corporation had changed hands um but it wasn't really a shared role but it overlapped a little oh, i see i see all right so so listen this is kind of the big question or at least the big question before i ask the big 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 question uh how much has your job as quote chief engineer unquote changed since you first started doing this job banging around on things in 1993 uh that kid in 1993 pretty much wouldn't even recognize what we do today uh you know how we're doing what we're doing right now um audio over ip has influenced and changed so broad broadcasting more than anything um the the changes have been analog to digital was the the first big change and then tdm you know uh tdm time division multiplex uh, how how we used to aggregate digital audio to ip has been the the second huge change, um, certainly a, an audio engineer in 1993 wouldn't even recognize the stuff we use today. And you do recognize, Tracy, that some of the things that you just said for some of us is like saying, OK, in the movie Back to the Future, when the clock 
get struck by the lightning and and things get to 88 miles an hour. That's when yeah. it happens. Right. And, you know, this stuff because you're the chief engineer for Odyssey in Las Vegas. You know, this we'll call it the mathematical stuff and the what all that stuff that we don't know. So let's talk about Odyssey for a minute. Odyssey's got a lot going on these days. I think for most of us, when we come in contact with a chief engineer, it's usually a prayerful situation because let's be honest, all that math stuff that you talk about on the other, we're like, yeah, man, can you make it work? Can you, because <laughs> we, we need it to work. Can you make it work? So do you network with other engineers inside Odyssey or outside of Odyssey? Do you guys have these kind of powwows where you talk about the rest of us that are not like you? Uh, we do. Uh Odyssey isn't a a camaraderie culture as much as CBS was, um, but it's still there. You know, the other thing is what's important when you're an engineer and even when you're talking to other engineers, work to make what you're saying, what you're doing, you know, cheerlead. Communicate with people in a way they understand. Communicate with uh, everyone uh, in a way that makes them comfortable. And uh, I think sometimes my colleagues could use a little more work on that. You've heard that about engineers. Uh -huh. it, it, it is true, you know, I mean, and but I mean, still, there's lots of grace because you guys know lots of stuff. So yep. I'm just going to put that out there. We all know when we come in contact with you, it's kind of a deal. Um, I want to ask you, because you're an engineer, I want to ask you to talk about COVID and doing things that you'd never done before, because I can guarantee you right now, even though you and I did not go through COVID together, it was not a party. No, it wasn't. Um, but uh, saw the writing on the wall there, January, February 2020, and knew we were going to get kicked out of our building um, and wanted to take every tool we could muster, every resource we could gather up to keep our people live, interacting with the callers, being radio jocks in spite of the fact that they were at home because this was a opportunity for that radio hadn't had ever before. Um, and, you know, audio over IP transport from their home on their crummy Wi-Fi, figuring all that out, uh, doing, getting them to talk to callers, people who were trapped in their homes and had nobody to talk to and gave them this opportunity to interact with those people. It was, it, it was awesome. It was. So, so if you have a cluster of like, how many stations do y'all have in Las Vegas? Uh, we got about six. Uh, we've had some change hands. Uh, yeah. So, so listen, using that number six is we're just using that as a loose number. COVID comes and suddenly you've got a multiple because people are broadcasting from their houses. I mean, that's not like having six. That's like having 47 or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, luckily, uh, 
prime the most of our jocks were very receptive were uh worked their asses off to make it successful uh just as hard as we did um it was so refreshing um some of them uh our morning guy on kx and t for example he decided he's never coming back. It worked so well that he's just going to stay broadcasting from his home in perpetuity. Uh, wow. And it's great. Uh, wow. All right. So I'd like for people to know, Tracy, how bona fide our guests are when we have, I mean, this is the radio business, so yep. let's not go crazy here. But when there's like a serious thing of, is bonification a word? I'm not sure it is, but listen, you are in the Nevada Broadcasters Hall of Fame. Yep. Do they give you a trophy? And if so, where do you keep it, Tracy? Uh, yes, they do. Uh, it's uh, looks like, you know, the, the one of the pedestals on the side of the Stargate and, you know, in Stargate, it's a big green yeah. obelisk. Uh, and uh, it's on my nightstand. Yeah. Were you surprised <laughs> when you got that? Uh, I was mildly surprised. Uh, there's a minimum number of, of years that you had to be a broadcaster to uh, be nominated for that award. I was surprised that I got nominated as early as I did, like right at the minimum. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh I wasn't surprised that I got in there. I really enjoyed uh, the whole experience um, and the gala, the event where they distribute these awards every year is, is a great event. Well, it's kind of like getting in the rock and roll hall of fame when you're still having hits, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. All right. All right. So look, time to be honest. Does it sometimes drive engineers crazy to talk to one of us citizens? Because I'm sure y'all think we all ask stupid questions or do stupid things or both. Um, yes and no. You know, sometimes you just don't have it in you to stop down and deal with somebody but usually i do and usually what those conversations about are are managing expectations um you know a a salesperson or a gm or a sales manager can sometimes have problems understanding you know we got the class c hundred thousand watt station up on the mountain and we got the uh the 200 watt translator over here. The 200 watt translator isn't going to cover what that 100,000 watt station does. And you really have to manage your expectations. Um, I think that there are a lot the, of liars in our business, by the way. I know there, this. there I mean, sure are. They lie to themselves. They go, you know, this should be doing better. Yeah. You know, um, so that managing expectations is is probably the most important thing you do with your staff as an engineer. Um, that, that sounds smart to me. That sounds so smart because you're dealing with, I mean, I, I'm, I'm smacked right now by how you don't take yourself too seriously, Tracy. 
but you have a very serious job and you're you have all this technical knowledge and you know that you have to communicate it in a way that's user friendly for everybody no matter what level they're on and you run across this situation when i say that there are liars in our business i really mean i've been in so many situations where owners and managers will say we don't really have a signal impairment and uh, without getting into my history i'll just say that i have a way of knowing that and it's not good to lie about that and it's terrible to lie to yourself so you have to balance all these things and and i love that you say this because anybody can take that advice away from this podcast episode managing expectations is so important no matter what your job is right absolutely correct it, it, you know if you even allow somebody to believe something that, that is going to disappoint them Yes. You kind of you kind of fail. So um, and it's not like there's not a lot of pressure on an engineer, I'm sure, to tell them <laughs> what they want to hear. Like, uh, tell me you will make this work, Tracy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm sure uh, you've heard those words. Either tell me what I want to hear or there must be something wrong with you. Oh, of course. Um, so, yeah, of course, we've all dealt with that. But it just all shakes down to managing someone's expectations. Look, you don't want to go out there into this meeting with that business and look like a dunce. You, right. you don't want that. Listen right. to me. Get these little bits of information that can focus on the strengths and not pull strengths from everywhere that don't exist correct um, uh so yeah that's that's one of your most important tasks as an engineer tracy this is especially good advice for people who have vp next to their stripes it's like <laughs> okay i know you've got a big important job but please don't tell somebody a lie about this signal because it is not going to work out in your favor and yep. it has consequences all down the line all right so Listen, you don't know this, Tracy, but on our podcast, we get to go back in time. It's a time travel thing, and you're welcome to it. So you notice it's now twice that I'm bringing up Back to the Future with you. This kind of a cool tie. What do you think you would tell yourself if you got five minutes with, with that you that walked in on the first day you became a chief engineer? You got five minutes with that guy. What are you going to say? Uh, the last two weeks ago, uh, I had 30 years as a commercial radio chief engineer. I, I met that anniversary and I was thinking about that a lot. Yeah. And my first response is nothing. I wouldn't want to miss it. But my real response after some thought is I would single out the people that I learned the most from throughout my career so you know in advance and tell that kid you find this guy and you talk to him um and it will make you a better engineer that's about all i would tell him the greatest people we have on this show always end up pointing to other people it's so interesting now listen i'm gonna go back to a little bit more of that uh, that bonification that word i made up you are a yep. member of the board of directors, Nevada 
broadcaster's representative, the Nevada Committee of the Statewide Amber Alert System. I think for a lot of us, you know, there's a little mystery to it. It maybe people are frustrated with it because we got to do that, blah, blah, blah. You look, you've been involved with this since 2005. Tell us what we don't know about Amber Alert, the Amber Alert system. Uh, first of all, the thing that people don't really understand about Amber, Amber Alert systems is your state needs to have a certain amount of indemnity for the people that operate in that system. Um, if you're going to really? get, yeah, if you're going to get sued by uh, everyone that has an unfortunate situation with a kid, your your plan's going to end real fast. Luckily, uh, the attorney general in Nevada at the time was Brian Sandoval, who eventually became governor. And I just uh, watched him hand a diploma to my youngest daughter on the stage mm-hmm. up in Reno. Um, he was really good at uh, putting the legislation in place to give us a safe environment to operate in. Um, secondarily, um, the Amber Alert system can't be generally fatigued like BAS system is, is at large. We can't blow an Amber Alert um, unless we know a, a child is actively in danger because once you have that situation where people are hearing them all the time and the kid's not not in imminent danger, it becomes something they ignore. And we can't afford to have that happen. No, um, absolutely not. Um, so those are the two things that people may not realize about our, we go into quarterly meetings and we review any Amber Alert that's been issued and what did we do right? What did we do wrong? You know, all the things we did right and wrong. What was the justification? What can we do better? Uh, I think that how much, what might surprise people is how much effort, thought, review, training goes into the system at large. It's good to hear this. I mean, it, it's, it is. That's the reason I put that question in here, because I wanted to see, you know, if if we could learn a little bit more. And that was really good tutorial for us. Listen, nobody knows the future, Tracy. I make people do this. Oh, my God, please forgive me. What would you like to see the future of radio look like in the next three to five years? You know, lots of things changing all the time. What would you uh, like to see it be? Hmm, That's a Good thought. What I would like to see it be uh, is a a little more localism, um, a a little more live day parts. Uh, What I think we're going to see it be is um, kind of the opposite of that, Uh, uh, scaling down our local uh, operations a little bit. Uh, But golly, I loved walking into a station like KLUC when uh, there were 30 people, just noise and energy and loud and just in your face. And I I just love that environment. Uh, And I wish we could get a little of it back. Well, you have to wonder, you know, 
what is missing because those people are missing? Hmm. Interesting. Right. Right. So Uh, Tracy, listen, I want to thank you for spending this time with us, especially because Lord almighty, it always makes me a little nervous. It's like one of your stations could go off the air and then, I mean, then you got to go, right? Well, thank you for spending this time and for being our guest and being such a gracious guest. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Please don't take for granted what we are doing here. Now, listen up. We want you to help us by sharing this episode from our website at rainmakerpathway.com in the free blog section. It just pops right up. And we want you to share it with others who are interested in growing their careers in radio and audio. And by the way, engineering, because this guy's probably a good guy for you to know. This episode of the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast is designed just like the other hundred plus episodes in our archive already to encourage radio pros at all levels. We want to thank today's special guest, Tracy T. Garden, who has a rock star name, chief engineer for Odyssey in Las Vegas. By the way, he's making that little horns symbol with his hands right now. You can't see that, but I can. Very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which we make available almost immediately after we do these live interviews. Thank you to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Please do share the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in audio. Subscribe for free on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and almost anywhere you get your podcasts. Some people will ask, why do you do that? It's because most people, when they come in contact with us the first couple of times, it's through social media and one of our shares. So we want you to know about the podcast. We do say this all the time on the podcast, and I say it to clients regularly. Once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. If you have any questions about this philosophy, I plead with you to reach out to me. I promise it is one of my high passions to tell you about that philosophy, and I love proving it to clients. Please remember this. If you don't remember anything else from what you've heard today, be kinder than you have to be. Thanks for being a part of the Radio Rally with the Encouragers. Now go make it a great week in local radio.